Hey, I'm Adam McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to when they were young. Our guest today is Julie Hawk from Hawk. Welcome to the show. Hi. Long time listener. Very nervous to be here. Thank you so oh, much really? for having me. <laughs> so exciting. You've picked uh, an absolute banger of a topic. Um, I think I'd never watched before. I've now watched fully half of it and I'm obsessed and I've bought the DVD box set and I'm going to watch all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm a new stan. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What are you going no to talk way. to us about? Yeah, tell us, introduce bring it to us. Bring us, us in. Tell us what it is. I'm so happy. Okay, so, uh, I mean, just for context, and I was already saying this to you before uh, we started recording, but like so much of my absolute favourites have been covered on this show. <laughs> so I was left with more obscure things to choose from. Uh, so I'm like a big Buffy head, a big Sabrina head, a big 10 things I hate about you head. And I was left with these kind of obscure things that I love talking about. And so I picked Ariana, Arian Diana because it's kind of one of those things that I love talking about, but that a lot of people will give me this weird look when I mention it. And it kind of, mm. some people have seen it and it kind of sits in the back of their minds somewhere, but they're not sure did it really happen. And, and that's, yeah. I still feel like that when I think back about watching it. So where did it air from, over here? Oh, yeah, sorry, where was on. it on? Yeah. yeah. So it originally aired in 1991 on like, in the States, like in NBC or something. Mm. And it aired on Channel 4 ah, okay. in about 93. And then occasionally, like in the summer, they'd replay it again and get a chance to watch it. And, and it was this, always this moment of like, it did really happen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't come up with this myself in a dream. I love shows like that, that have that, especially from before, like programming or from before you might've had a VHS on hand and know like when to sit by the TV and wait for something to be on. TV yeah. shows that just sort of happened seemingly by accident in the middle of the day and then lodged inside you. And you're like, I love this, but I have no access to it whatsoever. Like, yeah, it has yeah. that vibe about it. So Erie and Deanna just uh, sat in my subconscious somewhere until I was, I was kind of maybe like around 13, 14, and I started talking to my brother about it. And so the advantage of having an older brother is that you could get to like, get access to pop culture that was maybe a little bit beyond you. And so, it, and he obviously remembered it better than I did. And he was like, yeah, no, 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 this, this really happened. And by this stage, he was, he was 19. And it was kind of the era of box sets, like you could mm -hmm. get, you, you could finally start ordering DVDs of shows that you used to watch as a kid. And he was in film school at the time as well, so like a big nerd, and he ordered the DVDs, which, by the way, we rewatched together this week. Hey, even better. Um, yeah, and I don't see my brother that often. He doesn't live in Ireland and he happens to be home at the moment, so that's been like a really nice Great. bonding experience this week. Um, but yeah, Erie, Indiana, like one of the reasons that I am so fascinated by it is because it only ran for one season, but mm. it did so much like it did so much before lots of other similar shows went there mm -hmm. so it's kind of i mean we're now all really familiar with stranger things so it's got a really similar setup in that it's it's a show that puts like investigative kids uh you know driving the storyline of trying to get to the bottom of something weird in their neighborhood mm -hmm. and that's just been my cup of tea since i was like tiny and always like has been like i then moved on to get really into like Buffy and even shows like or uh, even the film Hackers where they're kind of they're <laughs> yeah. solving mysteries as these like hacker genius teams and I think that that just really unlocked something in me like when I was a kid I I wasn't massively into Enid Blyton but anything to do with like Famous Five or Secret Seven mm -hmm. I really liked that like anything to do with like kids solving grown-up problems <laughs> yeah Oh, and we're just like, there's just some, some kind of like secret island or a smuggler that nobody believes is there, you know? Mm -hmm. I read every single Famous Five book as well, but, and no other yeah. Blight besides that, yeah. Uh, the thing about, it's interesting that you mentioned Stranger Things because I was watching this, I watched seven episodes in a row last night and I'm going to watch the rest of them tonight because they're so good. Um, myself and Kerry were there going, you couldn't make this today because you would complicate it. So yeah. This makes Stranger Things look like dour in comparison. You know, like the way that this story is set up and the way the kids solving mysteries thing is set up is so playful and so earnest and so clear that you yeah. don't need a long examination of how the kid is like super fucking traumatized and lonely and all this in the mm. way that Stranger Things antagonizes over the sort of 
neuroses of its characters and the pain of its characters. Nobody in Eerie, in Eerie Indiana is in pain. Everyone is just having a weird time. And it's so yeah. good. It's so good. <laughs> it's not a now, coincidence that it came out the same year as The X-Files. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. post Twin Peaks. It's like kids Twin Peaks X-Files with, with no Scully. Definitely. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. No so Scully. It's like yeah, if Mulder yeah. hung out with a nine-year-old, what would X-Files be like? It's a nine-year-old Mulder. It's Baby Fox. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's yeah, very kids X-Files. Mm. Um, and also uh, Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone. Yes, even the soundtrack is like Twilight, Twilight Zone with country yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful theme tune. Very Mental strange theme. harmonica. Very strange theme tune. <laughs> yeah. Very strange opening sequence. I love I love uh, opening se- sequences that are, or I love visual effects that look like that. I recently watched a brilliant horror film called Haosu. It's a Japanese horror film where all of the special effects are the opening sequence to Eerie Indiana. Wow. And that vibe is immaculate. It's brilliant, you know? Just like clearly someone running on a treadmill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Bits of paper, you know? Yeah, Great. yeah, yeah. Love it. Oh, for, um, tell us, I guess, tell us what Irian so, actually is before we go any further, like the actual premise. Okay. Yeah. So your your lead character, oh, and we will get into this. Your lead character is Marshall Teller. He's a 13-year-old boy who's been, like, uprooted from, it's a classic kind of 90s setup because there's usually some, like, home, there's often a bit, a bit of, like, a home disruption that kind of leads to your, your, your setup in, like, 90s TV. And often they're kind of grim, like, there's usually, like, Divorce. a parent has died or mm. there's divorce or something and like so in in marshall's situation they've been moved from the city to this tiny kind of like middle of nowhere town called erie which isn't a real place um and he immediately starts to realize that like something is wrong with this neighborhood it's got this real kind of edward scissorhands mm. uh truman show yes. vibe to it and he oh. seems to be the only person who's kind of seeing through it and and it 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 explains it explains to you straight away like what the premise is. I love the opening sequence, especially in like the first couple of episodes. They really give like he's the narrator. It's this classic kind of uh, what's that um what's that show that we all used to love with the little boy and he would narrate. Malcolm in the middle. No, pre Malcolm in the middle. Animated or real life? Real. Oh. Cla- there is a classicness to him being like well. I've just moved to this terrible town and I keep seeing all this weird shit and he lists off some of the weird shit that he sees. And yeah, lovely... I've, got, I've actually got the, um, the opening lines here <gasps> on a screenshot. Give them to if us. I can, if I can pull you into... Please, the, bring the us there. Do it, do it, do it. My name is Marshall Teller. I knew my new hometown was going to be different from where I grew up in New Jersey, but this is ridiculous. Nobody believes me, but Erie, Indiana is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Item... Elvis lives in my paper route. Item, Bigfoot eats out of my trash. And then it goes on to kind of, he, he's cycling through the town and you're passing all of the strange shit that he, he notices every day. And it just immediately like invites you into this ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of my favorite things is that uh, they, they are actually investigating and storing, like uh, storing files on every single thing that they, that they get themselves into. So mm-hmm. they've got this, uh, so Marshall has a basement uh, where he's got this, uh, the evidence locker. And it's just all this stuff that I used to get really, really excited about the idea of having a locker, like something mm-hmm. that no one was allowed into, just really ticked a lot of boxes for me. And in there, they keep a little artifact, uh, artifact from each episode of things that they found. So it basically, the setup is so perfect because they've got license to explore so many things. Mm-hmm. You're basically right, you're right there with them. You know there's going to be a bit of pop culture in there. You know there's going to be a bit of like classic conspiracy theories, some classic yeah. horror. And it does everything. Like one episode, you might get a really traditional kind of ghost story. Another one might be like full on aliens. And then in other, <laughs> in other parts, they just straight up like they, they, they really criticize kind of consumerist capitalist american culture like really big big the one about the lost Um, objects right where his his dad's briefcase goes missing and he goes to the place where all the lost things go and the guy who runs the lost the lost things place is like um things have to go missing this is how we keep buying what what, are they going to keep these things forever and fix them no we need we need them to buy more things like it's unbelievable like 
it you know? straight up it straight up just t- like spells it out to you like we're keeping the economy going mm-hmm. like yeah. making your shit disappear so that people keep spending money on things that they don't need and then they go even further I'm on like, the zombie episode which is like prophecy almost because there's this devil character who comes in who's called the donald who exploits one of the characters desperation because he's gonna get ordered by the irs and then hypnotizes everybody to want to spend money all the time so there are all these capitalist zombies who just want to buy things they don't care what they're buying they just want to buy stuff stuff yeah and he is called the donald that's and then he gets though. defeated by threatening to get his taxes audited is how Whoa. he gets defeated at the end Whoa. It's, it's 1991 like it's that's nuts but it's such yeah. it's they cram so much into these episodes they do these like i think part of what i noticed with it is from i watched like seven episodes the guest actors are all amazing and they yeah. are all acting like they're in a grown-up show where their characters are serious. And they're not like, they're all weirdos, but they're not like that safe weird. Yeah. They are edgy, they go really proper far. character actors. It's like they have like, um, they have like Gomez Adams in the Adams Family in the 60s show. He's the guy who yeah, owns yeah. the shop. I didn't get that one. And they have quite a few yeah. actors who, who turn up in like Star Trek who like are, mm. you know, their, their presence, they've just got this amazing kind of uh, presence about them that they bring that you, like you're watching kind of almost Shakespearean actors at mm. times and it, yeah, it's, it's, it just takes itself so seriously mm-hmm. and even the way it's shot as well it's shot like a movie at times like you really like you, you get those panoramic views of like the whole streets and like they follow him as he's on his bike like it's really ambitious mm. and this is why I keep coming back to the idea that like it did so much in one season and then it just stopped like and also what happened is um at the first few episodes like they're 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 very episodic in terms like they, they pick one thing and they kind of they go for it and it's it does kind of find its feet at the beginning like it's a bit more like bogus and a bit more kind of gratuitously gross at the beginning where they're just trying a few things and all the concepts are really creepy and strong mm. like the first episode is about it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like a metaphor for the, the Avon, like um, mm. pyramid schemes. And that's in, why when you said States, Edward Scissorhands, right? you said Edward Scissorhands, and I was like, that first episode is exactly Edward's. It's not exactly Edward Scissorhands, but it pulls vibes. And the actress who plays their neighbor, who's our sort of like evil Avon Tupperware salesman lady, yeah. um, she's giving face every minute. She, her facial expressions are incredible. Like she's I really am. like acting, you know? Yeah, bulging eyes, like mm. big cackle. She even like at one point, because they, they managed to squeeze in so many kind of typical movie tropes, but they land them so well. So mm. at one point she's like at a window cackling out mm. out at Marshall and Simon while her curtains blow all around her. Like you couldn't, it, it just takes such daring, I think, to decide to go so cheesy and then actually kind of pull it off the way they do. And I love I love how much they they just jump from pillar to post in terms of what kind of things they're going to tackle, both in terms of these like really adult themes, but also just they have so much fun. And um, what happens towards the kind of second half? And I'm really, really interested in you guys getting to the end of the season, Mm -hmm. because at the beginning, they they are kind of finding their feet and they kind of pick and choose in terms of like what kind of horror theme are we going to go for this time? Are we going to go for aliens? But towards the second half, they start to kind of give you a lot in terms of like, they're giving you this idea that they're going to explain a little bit about Eerie and like why it's weird. And there's you're starting to see like return characters come back. Uh, like, so you mentioned um, Dash X is a character that just turns up one day kind of halfway through the season and he ends up being a returning character. But you actually care about his storyline right up until the end of the season. So Dash X is like this mysterious boy. He's for some reason got gray hair and a growly voice. He doesn't and a huge know trench coat. his name yeah. or his yeah. where he's come from or why he's there. And he's really unpleasant to be around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's also the only other kind of kid their age that seems to know that Eerie is weird and there's something weird going on. Mm-hmm. And you also start to really sympathize with him, whereas with kind of previous characters you you start to feel for them by the end of the episode but then you'll probably never meet them again whereas dash is like this he's really broken he's clearly had some memories wiped and he's just like every man for himself and he's he's just trying to survive and get answers about his history and this is one of the reasons why it's such a like 
an anomaly in terms of a TV show because it did start to to suggest that it was going to give you answers and then it it ended. And so it's like it's like a Reddit dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In terms of wanting to come up with like conspiracies and stuff. Yeah, it has that energy to it, doesn't it? Of like I think because of the way it's shot, like you said, it has a real Burton-y feel to it. Like mm. it really does. Mm. And that it gives you the impression of a world that is active beyond what you see right in front of you because of the way that it's shot, mm. you know, and practical effects. Like you can't beat them. Like you Yeah. Those twins are fully sleeping in enormous Tupperware containers. Yeah. That bank yeah. teller machine is absolutely haunting like that full screen with the the face walter is that his name that gives out the money like mr wilson mr wilson yeah like that's a practical effect those things feel real you know and because there's not the sort of hollow tinny cgi of magic around them you know everything that you see is built and touched and i think that that lends that's where the redditor's dream comes from right when you see tangible objects and artifacts and sets that feel like you can go into them it makes the plausibility of a wider world and tangible answers feel possible does that make sense mm-hmm. i don't know if that sounds wild yeah also and like, it's sorry go ahead, go ahead. It, it's really uh, around that time when joke shops were such a big thing like do you guys remember going to joke shops oh totally yeah yeah, yeah. there was a booth in the middle <laughs> of the city square that was all like joke shops and hen night fancies yeah shop street in galway are you from galway <laughs> I am, yeah. Shop Street. Shop. Yeah, yeah. Like that would, a pal of mine, I used to work there, Judith Sullivan, the author, worked oh, yeah. there when she was, uh, when she was much younger. Um, yeah, that those halls of mystery, right? You know, yeah. they had a lot of power. Oh. And I, I love that there actually is like this big, in the center of Erie as well, there's this big kind of like bazaar where you can go and buy weird stuff. So mm-hmm. it really, it, it just, again, it just taps into this idea that you too can be surrounded by this. Mm. It was five of the episodes were directed by Joe Dante, and he was a creative consultant on the rest of it. So he directed Gremlins one and two, and it totally sinks in. We said this last night, like this fucking feels like Gremlins, man. I didn't know that, Mm -hmm. and it has such Gremlins energy, like it really does. You know, again, another practical effects masterpiece. Yeah, small town practical effects, kid investigating stuff. I think it's also um, there's a very special time in the '90s, uh, hence my love of hackers as well, when horror and kind of mystery could really tap into technology as a thing to be suspicious of mm-hmm. and i i love it i'm here for it um like a lot of at this at this stage actually television is the technology that they mostly tap into as kind of a horror trope so first of all the idea that if we watch too much tv we're eventually just going to be kind of sucked into it there's uh, also the like the idea that they end up actually using the screen as kind of a portal to another dimension. And actually, I only found out this week that they did a spin-off in the early noughties called Ear Indiana, The Other Dimension. And I had never heard about it until this week. So this is just a show that keeps on giving. Yeah. Although like I, I'm going to, you know, approach it mindfully because the 90s were the noughties were a very different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of bad television. A lot of bad yeah, television. Yeah. Time. yeah. But they they actually used the um, stuff that already existed in the eerie reality in order to make the spinoff, which I really like because mm. they had already had episodes that were based around the idea of like, uh, you know, you bite down on a remote control and you'll end up in a TV. Uh, there's another episode where they like an alien has infiltrated um, the citizens of Erie for the last hundred years because he's trying to get back to his home planet. And he's he's trying to influence scientists in order to like further space travel and further um, radios and things like that so that he can get humans to build the travel device that he needs. And I, I love this because it taps into like these kind of Cold War conspiracies in terms of like what's really happening in the CIA, what's really happening with, you know, space travel, what aren't they telling us? It's just, oh, it's glorious. The television one with the TV in the mouth is brilliant as well. I, it gave us a fantastic ending sequence which features a mummy on a surfboard. And it, uh, I, I just I, was delighted. I thought of you. <laughs> Thank you. I was just like, this is what I need to see. I need to see this. I need to see this. This um, soft Boris Karlov impression, uh, dressed as a mummy, uh, on in practical effects on a surfboard on a wave. I was loving my life. That Halloween episode actually is quite parallel, even though it's absurd. There's, there's a lot of kind of, 
it's intense, right? It's scary. Like the kids wearing those big rubber masks at the door, like, oh, it's, it, it isn't a show without peril, right? In the way that Stranger Things yeah. like conjures all of this fear and all of this like deep characterization in a way that feels very labored. Like the, season, the first season is great, but like it doesn't really bear rewatching, I don't find. Um, mm. I think something great that this show does is that you do, it is kind of scary. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. It feels off because it feels real, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we were so, like, actually, at one point last night, my brother and I were watching it and my mum joined us as well. And we were all a bit spooked. We were talking about how, even though it was quite, it, it was like innocent enough, but we were all a little bit like, this is genuinely like hitting the spot here. And I think what was interesting as well is that it got, uh, it was written for kind of older teens and it was written for adults, but it ended up being kind of marketed for kids. And the slot that they were given originally on NBC uh, was for ages five years and up. Oh, and like hey. some of the themes that they're talking about, like there is a scene where Marshall witnesses a car accident in which like his friend dies. And he's just like, are you okay? <laughs> like that's some heavy shit. First thing in the morning before school. Man, Marshall's and, not and okay also- at all. Poor Marshall. Like, Marshall's not okay. Like, he's just not. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just having a hard time. Because they're short episodes. He gets dragged through a lot oh, of shit. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I love his family, though. And I mean, we were talking about this last night when we were watching it, like, that you couldn't make it... it you couldn't make it in this way today. If you didn't make it in this way today, it'd be Stranger Things. Because nobody would be allowed to be as simple as they are. The family are great. The parents just, like, love each other and are, are into each other which is something that i enjoyed yeah. a lot they like really like each other and the sister is yeah. kind of orbits around and is fine like there's no uh, the space of the home isn't dark do you know which sort of gives yeah. marshall permission to be like simpler or something in his in his curiosity do you know what i mean it's dark but it's not yeah. they're, they're not plunging any depths you know in the way that now i think a lot of stories that are told about magic and suspense and the unreal. And I know a conspiracy theory today is very different from a conspiracy theory in 1991. But, you know, the when I say conspiracy theories, I'm not talking about QAnon, I'm talking about, like, Mothman. Do you know? Um, yeah, yeah. We can't simply say there is a Mothman. We have to say his tragic backstory. Do you know? Yeah. The way storytelling has, storytelling has changed in, in that way. Like, there is a, audiences expect more depth archetypes don't work in the way that they used to and Erie Indiana is such a brilliant use of archetypes you know you're right there with them immediately they you you understand how their family works it's coded really clearly mm. you know uh, which allows all of these brilliant stories to happen around them I really like um his sister and his mother as well they're very kind of they're not they're not perfect they're not exact stereotypes they have you know, they have a lot to say. Yeah. They clearly have lives. And in fact, the first episode is Marshall. It's very centered around Marshall's mom. Yeah. Um, because she's kind of meeting the other housewives and they're in this Tupperware group together. And it's it's all very uncomfortable. And she's very different from them. They they, they sort of denote their costuming. This is why it's sort of like Edward Scissorhands. Their costuming denotes different time periods, nearly different modern yeah. modernist time periods. And she's kind of busy and messy and overwhelmed, but she's kind and she's like yeah. funny and she likes his dad. Like I love their relationship. Like, yeah, you know, the, I've watched the first seven episodes, so I don't know how, like, and I'm, I am excited to watch the rest, but from what I saw in those, that sort of establishing half of the season, just like, it's really nice to, I, I, I'm pleased by this, is what I'm saying. I'm like, this is nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but there oh, is... Oh, no, spoil away. Spoil away. I think there's an episode that, if you haven't watched it already, uh, have you seen the one where they end up on the set of Erie, Indiana? Yes. Amazing. So, so good. So this is yeah. where they, they really get very, like, wink and nod to the audience. Like, you were right there with us and let us take you behind the scenes. And it's so good because they pull the character of Marshall into real, real life. And all of a sudden, he's surrounded by his the, the actors that play his family. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, Mom, why are you acting this way? And she's kind of dressed in this very kind of Janet Jackson gear. And his dad... Yeah, she takes like, off her, like, her, her, her like, uh, mother cardigan. And she's wearing, like, a leather... Like Bustier underneath with a scorpion tattoo. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Hard left turn. And then the daughter, uh, the sister, is like 
tops on like a feminist jumper and is talking like 90s feminism Amazing. and about how she only gets one line per episode and complaining about it and stuff what? it's really smart really funny it's it's yeah. so good and and simon as well he's like a little diva yeah <laughs> simon's great man he's a great sidekick what a great kid like he's yeah. so brilliant but dash is still he... dash ah this is Crucially. this guy yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. simon gives uh simon makes way for a lot of those great but because it because it does kind of try really hard to go beyond your typical horror moments and cheesy moments but simon just gives some great kind of what like mm. he he turns around at one point and he says where's the mommy and like the mommy is right there and he's he just nails it every he time. has a great little uh, face doesn't he he's like, a good spielberg he kid. Yeah. A, he's a yeah, real yeah. spielberg kid yes yeah. he has a great face yeah lovely hair especially when he sticks it back some... when he gets all the money in the atm episode oh. like i didn't realize how much hair he had yeah, <laughs> it just all this perfect <laughs> He, uh, I did some digging into like a little bit of where are they now stuff because mm. obviously Omri Katz was like every every like 13 year old kids fantasy boy next door in yep. uh, Hocus Pocus. I was at a wedding with the, um, cla- with the cup- classic yeah. curtains. I was at a wedding a couple weeks ago we were talking about like first pop culture crushes in between courses and he came up yeah it was like some and we're like who the hell's Omri Katz and we looked up and like oh, oh. yeah yeah that, oh yeah. Yeah, perfect 90s. Yeah, he had the archetype. Yeah, yeah. archetype. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and yeah, so a lot of them so Omri actually he retired from uh from TV and film like mm. a couple of years after Hocus Pocus. Mm. Um and actually there's a really kind of foreshadowing moment in um and I, I don't know the backstory there. It was potentially a very happy like choice life life plan um but there's a foreshadowing moment in that episode of Fury Indiana when he is surrounded by the actors where the whole plot is uh is Dash X has um kind of conspired against him with the directors to get Marshall off the show so basically he won't exist anymore if the show doesn't exist anymore but there's a line in there about oh you know he'll get over it every you know every has-been child star gets over it and I was watching it like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely a bit of a what's he up to these days kind mm. of guy. <laughs> um, it's true, he's but happy. also the yeah. other characters like so Dash X and Simon have gone on to do a lot of uh voice acting mm. in shows that I, I guarantee that you love. Uh so Dash X was in Spirited Away. No way. Uh-huh. That's great. Uh, and Simon went on to do some voice acting in Hey Arnold. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. Dash X is also a little uh, voice in Skyrim. Is he in Skyrim? Mm. Great, Jesus, yeah. man. Voice wow. acting is the way. Like, it's where yeah. you get to do what you love, but you don't have to, like, be perceived. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's the answer, you know? And the mother is Dawson's mother in Dawson's Creek, I believe. Whoa. She's also, oh, like, wow. maybe it's the ages that we're hitting, but I'm mm. always spooked when I see parents in 90s TV shows, and I'm like... Well, that's oh, us now. That's is, our age. There's a really fucked up in the first episode where um, what uh, they're talking about how they have to go check a 1964 yearbook for the clue about what happened. Yeah, and yeah. It's like that means they should be, and they're th- these like ten year olds have been frozen since 1964, and he and he goes, that means they should be in their 30s by now. It's like, oh no, <laughs> they should be in their 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chill. Like we are. I am the same age as uh, Tommy's father in Rugrats mm-hmm. this year. That's what I don't enjoy <gasps> about myself. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Little... I saw that meme. I saw that meme the other rounds a few years ago. <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad experience for everybody. There's this, you know, picture that does the rounds on Twitter of him standing in the kitchen in the middle of the night and Dee Dee's in the door being like, Steve, what are you doing? And he's just like, I've just lost all control of my life. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds about early 30s to me, man. That sounds about early 30s to me. So, yeah, the parents feel young in it, you know? Like, that's... Yeah. that's I, I really felt for the, the second I turned it back on again because it, it's... It, it's been a while since I watched it and mm. I, I was like, well, I want this to be like, I want to watch, rewatch my favorites and have it like fresh in my mind. And as soon as I turned it on, I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're, they're just learning as they go. Like, I feel like that's the kind of, I, I don't know anything about parenting, but what I hear is that like, you're never kind of a master of it. Like you learn as you go. And they, they have these wonderful scenes with the mom and dad where they kind of look to each other, like, what have we gotten ourselves into? And mm. it's, it's really nice. Like, it's really very wholesome. It's very wholesome. The dad yeah. is very wholesome as well. I like that he's always like looking at um, 
you know, he's sitting at the table and he's looking at papers and I'm just like, that is, I don't know, there's something, again, it's maybe it's part of the set design and the sort of organic feel of the world. The house feels lived in and it fe- their, their actions feel natural, you know? Yeah. Like they're not always going somewhere to have a drama with somebody or looking after something. They're just being people, do you know? Like, and I think yeah. Stranger Things, because it's an ensemble work, with so, which hits so many of the same beats as Erie Indiana, there's something happening to everybody in the story, whereas this is so tightly focused in on Marshall just trying to work out what is going on, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, my favourite thing, the sister seems largely oblivious to it, especially early on, and... Um, they develop her really well Do towards they, kind of later good. episodes. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lovely bit at the end of the first episode where she walks in and all of the letters have been eaten and it's by the crow that we saw in the <laughs> opening sequence, you know? So there's yeah. touches. That it, it feels to me like it's full of detail, you know? Yeah. There's little rewards. And this is what I, I mean when I say I think they started thinking big and ambitiously towards the end of the season because they start doing those little throwbacks to early episodes. They start thinking of you as like I, I feel that they start really thinking like okay let's bring them on this journey that has legs not just um you know not not just a glimpse week on week but let's give the audience the idea that they're they're part of something bigger mm. um and like you know I think it just tackled some some themes a bit like the technology topic like the stuff that you just couldn't really explore today in the same way because it was so fresh at the time like there's kind of there's a bit of satanic panic in some of these mm. like, oh, uh, big time. shows as well. Like, oh, I love it. But like no Disney Channel show is going to critique capitalism the way the zombie episode does. You know, they just wouldn't be allowed. It will get straight away stripped out and like make this safe zombies about something else. And even with the one with the dogs, you know, mm. like the dogs and their anger, like that's like not even a little bit of that's not even subtext, man. Like it's it's very it's very much overthrow, rise up you know demand more rights you know yeah like yeah that is a it's right there in the dialogue like it's it's, it's yeah not hidden. like sometimes they're they're bringing in the big metaphors and sometimes they're just spelling it out for you like in the the zombie episode when they're all just mindlessly buying stuff someone literally just says it's the american way <laughs> in the one with the bank machine where that wants to be simon uh, uh, simon yeah simon's friend yeah um at one point marshall has to be like you taking all that money means that everyone else has less money yeah if you're rich it's because somebody else is poor if you're yeah. rich, like what the fuck man like that is really on the money you know and there, there's and, and the narrative turn and the way that that gets to the heart like the way that resolves itself is Marshall asking the two guys who Simon has been trying to impress by throwing money at him what his name is and there's this lovely it, it doesn't dwell yeah. it doesn't take long it doesn't like devastate Simon but it yeah shows him reality mm-hmm. and yeah it, it's handled so it it's not handled lightly, but it's handled in a measured way. So you do feel bad for him because he, he is established mm-hmm. very much as younger. Uh, he's just a kid, but he's a good kid, you know? Mm. And um, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was fab. Oh, Is that episode a bit about also like corporations trying to be people around there? It's oh, like, big Corporations time. aren't your mm. friends. Corporations are still corporations. Foreshadowing. You know? Yeah. Foreshadowing. So oh, speaking, and... of, speaking of going deeper, uh, I wonder about The Lost Hour. Is that the name of that episode? Yeah, a, a, yeah. So what happens is in Indiana they don't do daylight savings time, but Marshall decides he wants to do it anyway. So he winds his watch back and wakes up the next morning and everybody's gone. And he's in this like pocket universe where nobody is there in the last hour. Oh my god. Um oh. and there's these like That's trash scary. collectors. Terrifying. There's really these, scary. Like, these trash collectors in like but like all black outfits who are cleaning up the timeline, which is essentially the plot of Loki happening in this 1991 half hour kids show Unbelievable. yeah and then there's this milkman who saves him and who was the only who's also outside of time and they find this girl who's been missing on a milk carton for a year and he has to try to get her back and stuff and at the end it turns out that the milkman claims that he's marshall 90 years from now so it's like marsh there's like a whole 90 years more of your indiana lore happening yeah. somewhere that we don't know about and, and so fucking and amazing yeah <laughs> You have to assume that he gets involved to the degree that he now cares and he, mm. he's got he will someday have a reason that he wants to stay. And that is that is a huge 
like weight on his shoulders now. Mm. Like, what has he got to look forward to? It must be <laughs> terrifying. They and go, then it's just like, yeah, next episode. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's like, that's episode 10, episode because 11 is something fear, else. The yeah, fear yeah. of growing up is very present, right? Mm. You know, like that is something he kind of, he like in the first episode with the idea of the, the, the Edward Scissorhands housewife who, who has the amazing Tupperware collection, I did get a real kick out of the 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 presses that she has full of them. It was just really pleasing. Yeah. Like, really beautiful. So satisfying. Design. So good to look at. So real, you know. Um, yeah. I myself um, have, yet yeah, me, the organized cupboard <laughs> woman um, relating to this. Uh, oh, we could do a whole episode about Tupperware. So <laughs> let's do yeah. it, man. I collect vintage yeah. Pyrex, man. We'll do it. I'm down. Um, but the, the twins... And the sort of the tragedy of the twins is that he's like, imagine being in seventh grade forever, but he's still then yeah. appalled by them growing older so quickly as well. Like, so I think he is the things that Marshall is afraid are afraid of, like the things that, that like are also normal kid things too. Do you know? He's, yeah. He is on one hand, like drawing out maps and fucking trying to work out where the Bermuda Triangle is and genuinely trying to solve this mystery. But he has like lovely little light concerns as well which are, in that yeah. episode the pocket universe episode his first instinct when he realizes that there's nobody else there except him is to take his father's car keys and drive back to new jersey oh, to his old so house sad. That's so sad. it's real like 13 year old oh, like it's lovely. nesting instinct kind of yeah, yeah it's real nice it's such a classic um irish kids watching american tv though in which for some reason kids can drive yeah <laughs> it's automatic it's fine yeah as long as you show him reversing it back to first and then going forward, you're like, okay, that's that's driving. Like, back I'm sorry, and forth. I was too yeah. busy drinking cans in a field to learn how to drive, Marshall. Okay, Marshall, <laughs> great job. Well done with your cars, teenagers. I still can't drive, still mad about it. Um, there is... there's, there's another episode that uh, hits on the aging point really hard, although it's also a very much kind of a, a pure horror episode because they don't go there, they don't get super ghosty all the time. Um, and there's some episodes that are real kind of almost like a Goosebumps episode. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and so this one has a, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, and I feel like you're going to freak out when I tell you if you haven't, but there is a young Toby Maguire. Okay. How young? How so young? How <laughs> young? I'm so happy that you get to watch this. Amazing. And also, Props to my mum, because I'm usually the, the really competitive person in the room trying to name the child, like, <laughs> yeah. the young actor that we're looking at. Like, who did they grow up to be? And I was like, oh, my God, it's Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> they have that. Elijah Wood and Tom McGuire are the same person. They are. They're the same person. They both have those big peepers, you know, the big eyeballs yeah, yeah. and, like, the kind of the big neck. Yeah, they have that's yeah. that that's big case but, of the same face. A big case of the Chris's there with those two, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um props to my mum because she was like, No, 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 it's Spider Man. Oh <laughs> God. He scooped me. Like, yeah, no, just totally McGuire. Um and anyway, so that that's just an amazing episode. He's he's brilliant in it. Um but it's it's a classic kind of one off episode where they go full horror for, for 30 minutes and basically Marshall finds <laughs> What? Why are they doing this? I think the library is running out of money, so they have to sell all the old books. So they're, they're surrounded by old books. And in one of these books, he finds an old letter that's never been posted. And he starts to get haunted by this young Tobey Maguire character who's wearing like pantaloons and is clearly from Aww. another era. And, um, and basically the whole plot turns into Marshall having to deliver this unsent letter to Toby's uh, love interest from like the, it, it's odd. Like, I think it's supposed to be the kind of thirties or something, but he's dressed like a leprechaun. It's a little <laughs> hard to tell. Uh, anyway, the, the whole, um, the whole premise is Marshall trying to get close to this really old woman um, who's, yeah, she's like fantastically cast, but actually they keep saying that. Toby Maguire died 62 years ago <laughs> and he died when he was 13. And then after, because she's very old, she's got really long she's white hair. She's wearing these long white like robes and she never gets out of bed. And I'm like, come on, is that woman only supposed to be 75? Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. <laughs> she seems about 120. <laughs> um, and also, and I will say like they mostly, they occasionally have a, a girl character in there who's kind of just there to move the plot around um and i think that they, they you know 
they don't always do that. They often do get it right. And and in this episode, they at least like this woman has a lot of character. She's got depth. She's <laughs> at the end when herself and the ghost are reunited. Young Toby McGuire asks her, like, so did you ever get married? And she says, six times, but don't worry, <laughs> none of them worked out. So the idea is like, like, don't worry, she was never happy. <laughs> like, I'm like, what are we, are we just trying to make Toby McGuire happy at all costs? <laughs> like, um, but like, good, good for her. She seemed in good form about mm-hmm. the whole thing, but I was like, can we not let someone be happy for the next 52 years? Like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. But they were happy in the end. Yeah. <laughs> is the the mystery ever just a person being a dick mm. as opposed to magic and strangeness? You know? Like So often it is driven by like people and selfishness. And that's what I love because they marry them so well. Like there's an episode where uh it's all based on eye tests and and basically this like expert nurse, her name is Nurse Nancy, like they're it, it's so surprisingly uncreative sometimes that you have to respect it. Nurse <laughs> Nurse Nancy, Nancy yeah. N. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for it. Yeah, we've got 20 minutes. Like um anyway, she's she's like this eye test expert that they've got into the school. Um and whenever kids are hyperactive or getting into fights or being unruly, they get sent to this eye nurse. And she kind of gives them this really hypnotic eye test and they come out really with a pair of glasses and they come out really like, uh, you know, like zombies, basically. And they're like, I must be a good boy. No fun for me. I need to study. I need to pass my tests. And it is it is such a like for me, I was like, this is about like riddling. I feel like (laughs) this is about being afraid of like kids having too much kind of uh, control and too much energy and then you know them getting out of hand but but that's a very human like selfish kind of driven character mm. right it's not it's it's there's a bit of science fiction in there but it's not like spooky it's not like um something haunted it's like that's definitely man-made bit of equipment and mm-hmm. there's like there's a corporation behind that and like she's making money from this she's this expert that's been like sent from school to school so I I love that it's not not always pure eerie spookiness. Mm-hmm. It's not always mystery. Like you can really read into the kind of human flaws behind a lot of the uh, plot arcs as well. And also, funnily enough, the only time I think that they do a proper like Scooby reveal, it's actually Marshall. Oh really? In the uh, yeah, in the um, the one where the the guy's getting done for his taxes and the IRS man turns up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. It's actually t- the IRS man turns out to be Marshall in this really great disguise. Check off disguise kit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's such a good show. I feel like it's one of those shows where if you did watch it as a kid, it kind of probably made you a better person and a bit more copped on and tuned into like injustices in the world and like what's keeping it my head on it has a very just heart I think. Yeah, yeah it has a very yeah. just heart and it's not in a way that feels moralistic mm. and i think that takes a very while some of the aspects of the storytelling are big shapes big colors there's a lot of nuance and a lot of mm. goodness in it that is unexpected and is is complicated you know like yeah don't trust technology and don't take money that you know question everything i guess and now living in 2021 we unfortunately know where question everything has gotten a great deal of our culture thank you so much facebook but Mm. there is a thing about being a curious child and being a curious person and pushing boundaries and and figuring things out that is like it's lovely you know like it's just you know it's about pushing back against authorities Mm. you know Um, and is that is that kind of why we like it because I just get kind of goosebumps thinking about shows that put kids in that situation where they get to like, you know, really punch up and and figure things out for themselves. Is, it, is that why like we're so fascinated in, with that kind of show? It could be like, I mean, there are so many like off. There's so much offspring of a show like Erie, Indiana for children or like these prob- like like I love Gravity Falls, say, you know, which is about like Gravity Falls is a town in Oregon where a bunch of weird shit happens. It's Erie, Indiana. Do you know? And it sounds like same. I love it. Oh, oh you would. it's brilliant. You would it's brilliant. It. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's Disney Channel 2012. Absolutely astonishing. Nothing like it. 
nothing like it. Except you're Indiana. Uh, except you're Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So a set of kids who go off, a pair of twins who go off to live with their great grand uncle for a summer. He runs a sort of a roadside attraction house called the Mystery Shack. And uh, everything is weird and strange. Mm. And the, the boy is called it. Dipper and the girl is called Mabel. And Dipper finds a journal that has all the secrets of Gravity Falls in it. And just, this is your weekend. Just curl up. <laughs> it's so wholesome it. and so funny. It's so <laughs> funny. It has a lot of like the Simpsons, I guess. kind Yeah, of it's like Simpsons, Twin Peaks, it's, Lost. And, and you're Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot. And like, I would even say Welcome to Night Vale has a mm. kind of a touch of that, like strange towns where strange things happen and the people who try yeah. to make sense of them. And Did um, you watch uh, Round the Twist? Oh, I, I, I was recently thinking of it. I feel, I feel like a couple of episodes of that stand out in my memory really clearly. And the so- was yeah. it Australian? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it was one of those things that was on and was ambiently in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I watched it again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, all this. But I didn't watch mm-hmm. it closely, you know. But again, it's that premise of like, it, again, it starts off with this kind of lonely premise because the family have lost their mother and now they're living in a lighthouse. And it's the, the father and the three kids and, they, you know, strange things are happening. That's literally you said it a minute ago. That's the theme. <laughs> Yeah, and placing it in a family is so nice as well, you know. Mm. And like interesting family dynamics like that, like in Gravity Falls, it's it's this sort of at a re- it's set over a summer, and uh, you're at this remove because you know your guardian is your family, but he's not like your parent, right? Which is why I think like a lot of stories that center kids and mysteries remove the parents immediately. My favorite example of this in kids storytelling is James and the Giant Peach, where his parents are eaten by a rhinoceros on the first page. Page mm. one, first thing we learn, parents are eaten by a rhinoceros who escaped from the zoo. Now he has to go and live with his aunt and uncle. Story starts, right? Remove the parents from the equation so the child can have an adventure and solve yeah. mysteries and learn about life. Marshall's parents are fucking great. And yeah. like, he comes from a loving environment and he's still curious and he's still brave, you know? Mm. Like he's not, um, which is I think is what makes it different, Erie, Indiana from a lot of the other stories that we see. Yeah. You know? You know, another show that did that really nicely, and I, I don't remember it too well, and I must rewatch it, uh, is Alex Mack. Where oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> really surprised we haven't done Alex Mack yet. Yeah, she's, she's yeah, definitely yeah. in like, the world of stuff that comes up in Juvenilia. Turns into yeah. a, little pool of, a little pool of mercury. Yeah, yeah. Major influence on me and my hat selection like i got i was so obsessed with not taking my hat off at one point like one summer in summer camp i gave myself heat stroke because i wouldn't take off my beanie for like three days sacrifices for style i'm a i'm a hats all winter i'm i love that it's sort of september now we're entering juvenile spooky season Mm -hmm. and i am just ready to not take a hat off for the next three months yeah yeah also that was like another a really another really nice uh like relatable family environment mm. where the parents were they weren't one this this or the other they were kind of they were humans they were flawed mm. they were supportive and nice and then sometimes they were loose and i believe and i i need to go back and watch this properly but because they really pushed ahead with alex mac and they got to the point where there was a big finale and in the end her parents know about what's going on with her and they're supportive and it's really, it's really huge. Like, and it's almost like that. Uh, I know when you guys were talking about Buffy, there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of dynamics to do with kind of queer, like identities and keeping your identity secret. And it was so, it meant so much watching. First of all, obviously in Buffy, when you get Joyce on side, and, you know, she's now privy to all of these kind of nighttime this other identity but also in Alex Mack that was such a beautiful thing that happened in the finale where it, you know the character is allowed to feel like no they're not going crazy mm. <laughs> like they have they have support and love around them you're right and actually there's an interesting moment in one of the early episodes where um Marshall's parents are like are you all right yeah, I'm taking your, you know, he's wearing a Giants jumper. So I, I said he's wearing it for a month. Yeah, I thought yeah, he yeah. was from, I thought he was from California because he's wearing. Or I, I was like, where, which team is that? You know, and his costumes are fab, by the way. All the jumpers, oh, yeah. exquisite costuming throughout. But like, they check in on him and they ask, is he okay? Yeah. And like, you're kind of. It's it's really it's really nice. I remember I don't know what was going on with me, but I hadn't washed my hair in a few days, and I was in school, and I remember a friend asking me, 
are you okay your hair is really and like I was so like oh god, oh god like when they said it but I was really mostly I was just really touched because I was like oh shit they can see that there's something different. there's something up yeah, yeah and that's like it's it's a really important like the people that can see that kind of thing in you are special yeah right and it's just really nice to see like parents not brushing off that kind of thing and actually seeing nuance in their children and yeah. having trying to have that conversation they like him is something yeah and I, yeah. I there's a lot of shows that i can't watch because i'm like all the adults here hate these children or like there's a like a like I, that's also a part of why i don't think i like the simpsons very much there's too much like stress or something like nobody likes each other in that yeah. house nobody likes <laughs> yeah. each other bob's burgers is the diametric opposite of a family oh. unit right they all like Love each it. other right and they all yeah. are interested in each other and even little tiny cues like that are just very pleasing to watch it establishes a different narrative dynamic uh when you're pulling apart all of the reasons for this curiosity and all of what's going on like in the episode where marshall goes looking for the missing um briefcase he's like my fucking parents are gonna get divorced if i don't bring back this like he's totally freaking out he's like this mm-hmm. is a very important briefcase that my mother gave to my father it's very romantic i have to go get it back or they're gonna get divorced and he's totally fixated and then the re- resolution and he goes through all of this fantastic uh otherworldly journeying towards this place of lost things and it's great and at the end his man just gets to start a new briefcase and it's not a big deal. And also his dad's work thing would seem like the end of the world. Like all work things. Not, not actually that important. Yeah. 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 And that was just like, oh, that's interesting. It's just, it's just really interesting to me. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. I don't know it's why about it a kid is. taking on their, like, all the pressures of their parents' relationship and they don't need to. When yeah. parents are adults are sorting their own shit They're out. They're all good. Yeah, yeah. They're all good, babe. You know, mm. like, and you're. Yeah. The, there's an episode where they really go there. Actually, I think it's the last, the very last episode is, is really dark um there's basically a kid in their class his name toby or i think it's toby where i think his name is toby and they're get they're in like a record store together and they're the, the boys are starting to get into like punk music and they're over at their friend toby's house they're listening to we're going to call him toby okay yeah, um, <laughs> and they're they're listening to a fake band called the pitbull surfers yeah yeah uh, and it's like what you need is a here love about it ear models out of me it's like it's really just like take stick it to the man it's excellent and but the kid's dad walks in and he just like it, it is so dark like the atmosphere in the room what and watching it the atmosphere watching it it's so it, it's deeply scary watching a kid being given out to like with and his dad has no regard for the fact that like his two kids his two friends are right there and he's like why are you such a loser why can't you study harder like why can't you why can't you brush your hair like why do you have to get mixed up in all this rock music and he's just throwing all of this like really toxic stuff at his at his kid and his kid is like absorbing everything that he's saying whereas the dad is trying to imply that like this rock music is gonna it is gonna damage him like listening to the lyrics and this kind of satanic music and the whole obviously the whole thing is the fact that he's absorbing all of this darkness from his own father and that in that episode you also see the tension of like the mom trying to toby's mom trying to manage the situation and there's always like we never actually meet simon's parents but there's a similar plot with simon where you kind of understand that one of the reasons that simon spends so much time at Marshall's is because his, his parents don't get along and it's not a good place to be, it's not a safe place. And yeah, like the, they deal with that really sensitively and actually like that last episode is, uh, it, it's really sad and it, it comes to a really nice conclusion where the, the, the dad ends up realizing because they play the records backwards that the hidden messages in the song are actually all of the things that he's been saying to his son and it's so heartwarming and it but it is it's very dark yeah that's like in in stephen king's it the lisa cohen says this on our on our uh, stephen king episode which i feel like is the one that i always end up pointing at because stephen king like is in it is in so much of these kind of stories right and these uh methods of delivering emotional information you know um the most frightening thing in it the book isn't the fucking Pennywise it's not the fucking monsters that come out of the pictures it's not 
the fucking creepy dude in the house. It's mm. not. Arguably, it could be Beverly's dad, but the real yeah, the real scary thing in in yeah. the, the story is the bullies. It's the kids who you think are going to fucking kill these yeah. other children. You really believe they're going to kill them, you know. And Beverly's dad, arguably, also is more frightening than yeah. any giant spider that lives in the sewer and manifests people's fear. Like it's the humans that are the really scary yeah. shit. So it doesn't really surprise. Like I. I I think that's good. That's good storytelling is that it's not the monsters. Yes. It's not at all. And maybe that is the ultimate Scooby-Doo that is being pulled on us at every turn is that what is actually most wrong here and the real peril is the people. It's not like a talking bank teller machine or a dog mm-hmm. called Fluffy who is just like fucking overthrow the system. Like it's, <laughs> it's the people and it's the families where things aren't as they are for Marshall that is where yeah. the peril kind of comes from and just i think for for one season of a show mm. in like bite-sized half an hour episodes to give you so much of that but then also like to give you so much of that on like an individual personal level in terms of how terrible we can be but also on a systematic level yes and then also give you monsters it's brilliant <laughs> That Every base, like, the yeah. Bermuda Triangle of storytelling, right there. <laughs> That's where we are, and right in the middle is Erie, Indiana. Thank you so much for this. this yeah, this has was been great. Such a banger. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Like, oh, I'm you're so welcome. So psyched. A to have been introduced to Erie, Indiana, and B to have had a conversation like this about it. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Is there anything I'm else you should? Just... Is there anything else you should tell our listeners about Erie, Indiana before before we wrap up? Is there anything else that you cannot part ways with them without telling them? I think one of the one of the coolest things I found out this week was uh, it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> like I don't I don't base my entire watching life on Rotten Tomatoes. But come but on now, it, it can be it, it can be very easy. I'd say within episode one or two to think maybe it's not for me. There is something in that show that will speak to you, and it spoke to enough people that they decided to give it 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so it's really nice to feel like, like to have discovered that this is not just fascinating to me and to my brother kind of every 10 years or so that we, we remember to talk about it. Like there are more of you out there. And uh, yeah, I think I think more of us need to be having this chat because it did, you know, so many shows went on to do so much in this vein. Like, are you afraid of the dark? That started and finished. They got their they got their film in the end. Goosebumps, you know, that that's still going to this day. R.L. Stein's but still doing just, it, man. R.L. Stein is yeah, still vibing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For like a taste of something that came before that, and I just thought it, it just it just put on massive boots and went for it. Like I think it's it's absolutely worth a watch. Cool. Unbelievable. Um, if you're listening to this episode today. Judy's album is out tomorrow. Please tell, plug, plug all your things. Tell plug us where we can find you. Listen yeah, yeah. To you. Tell, us, tell us how we can listen to you and where we can find you. Oh, okay. Uh, we are on all the streaming platforms. We're called Hawk. Spelled H-A-B-B-K because of Google reasons. I was say, like the witch, <laughs> like the witch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. okay, Big Brother is watching. No, it's uh, it's definitely not a choice we made out of coolness. It's a, it's a Google problem and we are solving it. Uh, so we're on Spotify, uh, we're on Apple, we've got beautiful vinyl, which I hope, I hope by the time this is aired, will have arrived because we're, <laughs> we're like cutting it really close between pregnant and COVID getting these vinyl arrived. But we've, we've ordered this um, gorgeous, uh, transparent, sexy red vinyl. So if you want to own a real piece of Hawk, uh, that's available to pre-order now and to buy tomorrow. And... God, I just, I can't wait for the world to listen to it. So go and give it a listen. It's really, it's really good. It's, everybody I've heard it, it is real good. You you want to listen to this album. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any social media? People can find you there. Do you want to follow you more? Yeah, or? so we are Hawk Music everywhere. H-A-B-B-K Music. And I am on Instagram as Julie underscore Hawk underscore. But just to make things complicated, my Instagram is H-A-W-K. Like, like like the bird. bird. The original. The original. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Sarah, where can we find you? Uh, I'm not in my house right now, so I'm not going to say in my house. Uh, I am on the internet at Grifsky on Twitter, at Sarah Grifsky on Instagram. My books are in all good bookshops, Brown Van Parts, in other words, for smoke. One is about a robot, one's about a haunted house. And uh, if you like zines, 
and post, you can subscribe to my Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash zine club, and you will get posts and uh, post and zines in the mail from me every two months. Uh, Alan, where can we find you? Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia is juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter, juvenalia pod on Instagram. We have a Patreon where we do bonus episodes. Oh, they're we talk really good as well. What we started and finished in the last yeah. two weeks. Sorry. A lot of video game talk there. But yeah. mo- so we talk about old stuff here and modern video games over on Patreon. Uh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. Thank you to Fergal for producing this episode. Oh my God, I love you, Fergal. And we're a Tall Tales <laughs> podcast, and we're very delighted to be back in the Tall Tales studio. So, see you in two weeks, everybody. See Bye. See you in two weeks. Bye.